Um, just to give you an up- update, we've got a soccer tournament this last uh, Saturday. I'm sorry, Josh, i got to bring it up. I, uh, I usually recruit all the sons of disciples, and we're playing this big tournament. And, you know, I, lo- I love doing that because I really love um, to spend time with your children who aren't Christians. And I think this, this event allows them to spend some time with me. And our team is basically 90% of kids who have not decided to become Christians yet. And we, but they're sons, so we bring them. And I hang out with them, and we have a great weekend. And uh, we've been doing it for years. And it's just another one of those things that you want. You know, if I was a dad, I want someone to kind of spend some time, spiritual time with my kids. And we pray. It's a church event. Everyone's pretty friendly. And um, we, had a, we had an epic battle. On Saturday morning, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I even ate right for this. I sort of, I even ate right the week. I was just getting myself ready. I was playing twice a week, just about a month and a half prior to this. I was getting my fitness up, and uh, I actually played a decent game, decent game on, on the right, on the right defensive back, and uh, and, and the game was one nil, and went one one. Then it went two one, and we're just and we were dominating the game, but we just could not get the decisive goals and two two, and then three two with with one minute left, and we scored, and it was epic, and everyone went crazy. I was waving my talent. We're gonna do this. God is with us. You're Croatia. We're Brazil. <laughs> and um, and then in the, the overtime, they scored another goal four three, and we just could not get it back. And after, it was a bitter loss. We were struggling with our sportsmanship because you have to play a consolation game afterwards. And no one wanted to play. <laughs> Except for the guys that never went on the field. They want to play, but all the guys who were playing did not want to play. So we had to kind of, okay, well, come on guys, this is our sportsmanship. So we, we played another game and for third place and we ended up beating that team 3-0. And the team that we lost to won the championship. And that was the central uh, region part of the church once again. Five-time champions. So, it's just a, a, a reminder for me how God uh, sets up relationships, how God uh, has these events and these things that we do as a church to bring us together uh, for relationships and providential relationships. And one of the things we're covering in the next several weeks are there are five things that God, there are more, but I, we, I just pick five, the five things that God uses to help us grow. And number one, last week, one of them was just practical teaching. One of them is taking the Bible and then applying it to your life. It's just very practical. The second one we're going to talk about today is providential relationships. It allows us to hear from God through others. When you first describe your journey of faith or how you became a disciple, how you became a Christian, sometimes the sentence starts off, even as um, Nicole shared, I, I, I met this girl. Oh, she was my roommate. In college, or I met this person, or I was on campus, or I had this professor in college, or my mom remarried and, 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 and uh, the father took us to church, or, or this group of girls that came up to me in, in, in campus and invited me to a Bible discussion. I joined a sports team, and one of the friends I made was a disciple. Um, my kids came back from this camp, and they were excited, and they, wanna, they had a vision of becoming a Christian. Or my neighbor invited us to join this church, or my relatives just joined your church, and now I'm here. It's providential, meaning it's, it seems accidental, and it's definitely unplanned. But you're here this morning. You're here by providence. You're here because someone you're connected to, some way, somehow, has brought you here. And God uses these relationships to get His message to you. Not just the preacher, not just the Bible, but relationships. Providential. You know, I was a college student at, 
at Mount Sac Junior College. I was uh, 21 years old. I had just gotten out of the military. I was on campus, had my, had my GI Bill. I was going to get my education because I got tired of working in these warehouse jobs uh, over the summer. It was terrible. And so I know I didn't want a career in the military, but I wanted to go to get my degree and become something successful in soccer, something to do with sports. And so while I was on campus, I was sitting there, and, and, and this, this lone disciple, this lone Christian, with three of my friends, just sitting there. It was providential. I just, I couldn't understand why he had the gall to come up to us. I thought he was selling like ski trips or something. You know, in college, they were trying to sell you something. I thought he was one of those guys. But he was different. And when he approached me, he had humility, and he had confidence. Have you ever read the Bible? I mean, he asked me penetrating questions. I was like, no. <laughs> Would you like to read the Bible now? Maybe. I mean, it was like, these are like questions I was like, and he showed me this passage. What do you think about this passage? It's good. Are you a Christian? No. Are you a disciple? Well, doesn't that mean Christian? Yeah. Uh, No. Penetrating questions. If not for those questions, my journey would have never started. It's providential. And I'm going, why why him? And at the same time, in my National Guard unit, there was actually a disciple in my squad. You have a platoon, and then you've got a squad. And he was in my squad, meaning we, we rubbed elbows all the time on the weekends. And he was different too. I noticed he, he didn't curse. He didn't go out drinking at, at lunchtime. I'm like, he's different. And so we became sort of friends. We talked a little bit. But he never once engaged me in that way. But lo and behold, the guy that met me and the guy who was in my squad were actually best friends. Here I was in the squad with a guy I saw years before this guy came up to me. Years before. I knew him. But never engaged me. Then I meet this guy, random guy, providential, unseemingly, accidental, comes to me, invites him. I'm going, yeah, I, I, I should study the Bible. I, I should learn more about this. And he goes, he goes hey, Gio, what do you do? I said, I'm, I'm in the National Guard. He said, really? I've, i got my best friend in the National Guard. Uh, where, where do you serve? Uh, I serve right here in Pomona, National Guard unit right there. He's like, so does my friend. Do you know a guy named Brandon? I'm like, we don't go by first names. What's his last name? <laughs> Pelsmaker. Yeah, he's in my unit. Pelsmaker? He's in my unit. He's in my squad. But we never really talk spiritual things. But God had a plan. See, God was trying this door, but the Christian wasn't ready to open that door. When God wants you, He will do things and put people in your life to get you. To at least give you a chance. Hey, I am reaching out to you. So here was Ernie Basuto. He, he engaged me with these crazy questions that no one has ever asked me. So that's how my journey started. And God uses relationships. And some of you are here because someone has reached out to you. Maybe you've already began a Bible study series that we do in our church. And you're like, wow, I've never been asked these questions. I've never even seen these scriptures. Because God is reaching out to you and He's using these people. But at the same time, relationships can be very negative and very influence you in the, in the worst way. Well, that's how relationships work. You know, sometimes we, our story goes, I went to college and I lost my faith. Or my parents, when I moved out of my parents' house, I made new friends and adopted a new lifestyle. Faith can be destroyed as well as strengthened 
through our relationships. The defining moments of our lives often revolve around relationships, good and bad. People you feel like God put in your life, like I felt about Ernie and Brandon, because once I was a little suspicious of Ernie, I was just a, it was a little bit like, a, I don't know this guy from Adam, but yet he's helping me, but I don't know him. But I knew Brandon. And so when they were best friends, I felt really comfortable, Brandon, because you know, we served together, we were in ditches together, we did stuff together. So I had some kind of a bond with Brandon, even though he didn't engage me spiritually, Ernie did. And that connection convinced me, okay, it's safe. And I needed that. People that God puts in your life. People sometimes you wish that God had never put in your life. That relationship you had that scars you to this day. That relationship that messed you up. But what we know for certain is that God uses people to impact your faith. So the question is, how do we leverage that? If that is true, how do we leverage it? Because you should leverage relationships for the greater good. This is imperative. So in the, in the book of Corinthians, the church had a character problem. Look in your, in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't have a Bible, I want to put it on the board for you in a second. But there was a character problem in the church. There were arguments. And there was disunity. And there was pride about people that had certain spiritual gifts because back then the Bible was not yet written in the New Testament form. And so God gave people's miraculous gifts to let people believe that they, their message is from God. So they had the ability to heal They had the ability to speak foreign languages. There were some amazing, but pride sit in like, my gift's better than you. Oh, you don't have the power of healing? (laughs) You just got language? Oh, yeah. You went to state college, obviously. (laughs) Right? I'm better than you. A lot of pride, a lot of arrogance. They, They got into conflict, and then they went to the courts. Instead of resolving it with each other, they began suing each other. Uh, uh, they were sleeping around with prostitutes. The, these are the Christians I'm talking about. Not the knock. These are the Christians. They, they were sleeping and being moral with stepmothers. A state stepmother incident was there. It was, a, it was a terrible condition of character. Because the society around them was saying, hey, it's okay. It's acceptable. We're okay with that. And our culture is telling us, it's okay. You're acceptable. You don't have to be, you know, rigid and follow the Bible. And Paul says this. He uses actually a quote that's, ne- that's not found in the Old Testament. It's a brand new uh, saying in a sense, but it's written from a Greek play that the, the church was familiar with. He says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Relationships impact you positively and negatively. And he uses here a, a, a Greek script, a little quote from a movie, so to speak. Their modern day movies, which was a play. It says, guys, you know even out there that the principle is true. That bad company corrupts good character. This applies, you start thinking, oh, it applies to students. Not so. Bad company has corrupted a bunch of marriages. Bad company has pulled too many alcoholics back into a destructive cycle. 
Bad company is what got you invited into an environment that became a habit that is not good. Bad company planted a thought in your mind that grew into a behavior. You will reap what you sow is a message from God. You cannot fool God. As much as we try to fool each other, and some of us in this room do a really good job at that, you cannot and and will not ever make a fool of God. He knows you for who you are. So we can pretend like we have these strong spiritual relationships when we actually don't. You can pretend that you're a committed Christian when we only see you on Sundays. You're not at anything else. You can pretend. But know this, and I will tell you the message that you don't like to hear. You're not fooling God at all. That's the message. Part of my job is to tell you that. It's not the best part of my role. My role in the church, I love to see be encouraging and positive. But another part of my role is to tell you what God is saying to us based on the fellowship that I interact with you with. I have a sense of where we are spiritually as a church. And my sense is our character is being corrupted by our culture. Because what we find acceptable in the culture, you bring that into the church. And God says, no, there's a defining difference. We don't want to be of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're different. We're different people. So that's why He's given us providential relationships to help us grow in our character. In light of that, we have to be intentional about pursuing those relationships that God has providentially provided for us and brought our way. Those that strengthen us and preserve our faith. One way is when we go to a a midweek service. We have those once a month for the women and once a month for the men. And I'll tell you, when we come, there are far few men who ought to be here that are not here. Because they've chosen that they want to hang out with other relationships other than the ones that are most important spiritually, and that is the brotherhood of disciples. That's one way. Another way is a small church locally you, where you meet in Camarillo or you meet in Simi Valley or Moore Park or Oxnard or, or Thousand Oaks. They, God has set it up where you can have actually relationships, close ones, intimate ones, real ones, with real people. And yet, are we pursuing those? You know, in the, if you're a student in the college ministry, you, you can see each other every single day in the summer. Every, but we don't do that, but you can. Because you have time, Right? <laughs> We, we can, they can sleep to 11.30, which they usually do in the summer. They've earned some rest because of college. Yes, it's the only time in their life they can do that. So we're, we're flexible. But they spend so much time together. It's amazing. They're so lucky. And you could say, oh, they're lucky. They have the time. No, I, I would say this. You can make the time too. See, I'm a married person. You're a married person. We can make time. We can do that. I'm a father. I got two kids. I'm I'm balancing work and and, and 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 children. I'm doing the same thing you're doing. We can make time. Parents, you're thinking, hey, I got to get my kid into a strong middle school and a student ministry. Hey, we have that. It's called the Legends. Yeah. We have an amazing Legends group. Yeah. You know, we got 16 kids signed up for camp. That's a big group of kids. Yeah. They had a Legends event yesterday. It's a big deal. Legends. You know, we go to the ballpark with the, with the brothers. 
We, we can go to places with each other. We can do a lot of things as parents, bring, inviting our kids to come along with us. We have the singles ministry. Singles are awesome. That's Dulesky right there. Get connected in, into retreats and relationships. We have awesome single retreats, amazing weekends. One's coming up, actually. Because if you do, when you walk with the wise and become wise, what's the inverse? Hang out with stupid people, you'll be stupid. You'll do stupid things. You know, World Cup is a very passionate day, but there's a lot of drunks out there. There's more drinking in this month of June than ever before in four years. Everyone's drinking the World Cup. I'm talking drinking now at nine in the morning. Ecuador's playing Switzerland. I know what my father's doing. I know what my friends are doing. I got text this morning. Hey, what are you doing for the World Cup? I'm going to church, man. These are not good. I'm going to church, man. I'm going to get drunk with the Spirit. For a companion of fools suffers. For a companion of fools suffers. Harm. Think about all the people you hang out with. All the, all the things that could have got you killed. Like running across freeways when you're drunk. Just sharing my life. <laughs> Things that would have killed you. You're going like, I don't know, with a bunch of morons. I did stupid things. And now they're patrolling your streets as police officers. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my companions. Thank goodness we turned it around. God put you in the right places where you'd be exposed to the right people. You're here for a reason. Maybe you're married to someone in the church and your husband, you're going, I like your church, but I'm not ready for your church. God's just bringing you here. We love you. God's just bringing you here. We, we love that you're here. We love that you're here. Um, this is how God builds our faith. And there was a time in, in God's history, so when you read the Bible, you always see what God is trying to do with people. And, and, and uh, near the end of the, uh, the Old Testament, there's a time in God's people where the leaders had strayed, the people were straying, but not everyone. And God uh, gives a scathing letter to the people through the, the prophet Malachi. And, and, and this is what he says, but he notices those who don't conform to the culture. And there's this bond of relationships that I want to share with you. To Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Those who feared the Lord. This is during a very dark time. People were not doing well spiritually. Friends were, were falling off the cliff spiritually. There, was, there were those who feared the Lord. They talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. Let's stop there for a second. These are people just having a regular conversation. Talking with each other. Trying to hold the fort down. Trying to do what's right. And guess who's listening in on them? God. God is listening to those few people who are, you know what, we're not going to give in to the culture, we're not going to do it, we're going to make our stand, I know everyone's going this way, everything's going sideways, but we're going to make our stand. God was listening. God was hearing that. A scroll of remembrance was written in their presence concerning those who feared the Lord. Now when you see the word feared, it's not like, I'm scared. It's feared like, whoa, ah, man. God is in control fear. So when you hear that word, it's not the fear like someone's going to hit you with a stick. It's not that kind of fear. It's a fear like, whoa, God is so real. He, oh my goodness, that's the feeling. Concerning those who feared the Lord and honored His name. 
On the day when I act, this is God's response to listening in. They, they wrote this scroll. They made a commitment. They wrote this covenant down. We are going to hold it. We're going to hold it down. On that day, when I act as the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. That's what God says about those people. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. He's talking about the people of God. They are righteous and wicked. There. In amongst the people. Between those who serve God and those who do not. This is God's response to people who are just talking and making a covenant and saying, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to hold it down. I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what people say. We're doing it. And we're holding it down. And that's what you find here. That these believers were the remnants at that time and faithful. And they decided together to keep their spiritual relationships. They made each other a priority in their lives. They were in awe of God. They met together not to complain, but to encourage and to edify each other, help each other. They spoke about the Lord. They weren't afraid that God would hear them. Their assemblies uh, weren't, wasn't a large one. And they may have thought this was a little, you know, this was little, it's only a few of us, but that didn't matter to them. What mattered was they wanted to honor God because they wanted to have these relationships. And part of having a relationship that's spiritual is there's a sharpening process. And in our flesh, we don't like the sharpening process. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I'm going to tell you a story about a man who was sharpened the wrong way and sharpened the right way. And his name was Peter. And Peter had a revelation in the New Testament from God in Acts 10 that God was going to accept both the Jews which are God's people, and the Gentiles. And he was going to bring them all together into his church. And that was new for a Jewish person. Because they wanted the the Gentiles to convert to become Jewish and then become a Christian. But God says, no, they're going to become together as one because they they need to put their faith in Jesus. That's it. So Peter goes to this guy's house named Cornelius. He's a great man. He's He's a Gentile. He's a centurion. And God does something miraculous They believe, they get the Holy Spirit, they're baptized. And then Peter's so excited about it, he goes back to Judea and tells the brothers there. And he has this interaction with the brothers there. He says, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem... The circumcised believers, that's where the people who became who were Jewish that became Christians, criticized him and said, You went into the house of the uncircumcised and ate with them? Circumcision was a big deal to them because that was the original covenant they made with God in the Old Testament. So it goes back generations. It's like your deepest tradition. Your deepest, deepest health family tradition. They're saying, they, they, they didn't make any note about them, what God did to save them. Only thing they brought up was like, you went into their house. You, you ate with them? Because hanging out with a Gentile made you ceremonially unclean. If you were Jewish, you always were washing your hands because Gentiles were gross and you're always doing that. 
But since they now became believers through faith, Peter experiences not rejoice. Like, oh, that's so awesome. What did God do? They're like, Peter, man, you're an apostle, bro. You're the leader of the church. You're setting a precedence of a bad example. You can't be eating with the Gentiles. That's terrible. That's terrible leadership. And so that criticism through relationships had a negative impact on Peter. I say that because this. Because later on, Paul and Peter had met prior, they have an interaction. And because Peter was criticized, look what happens when Paul recounts a story of him having to challenge Peter about his relationship with Jews and Gentiles. He says when Cephas, it's another name for Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. There's a strong word there. You know, when, when you're in a spirit, when you're going off the cliff, when you're going to put yourself in a condemnation state, you better have a friend that tells you something, that tells you the truth. For, for before certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Remember in Cornelius, he ate with them too? Then he got criticized. But when, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. Because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. So Peter, like, oh, the, the circumcised believers who say you have to become a Jew before you become a Christian, they just enter the room. He's like, hey, Gentile guys. Hello, brothers. Hang over here. And over there, was Paul was going like, what is he doing? There, there's, no, there's no basis for, for a Gentile to become a Jew and become a Christian. Gentiles become Christians. But these guys, they affected Peter spiritually in a bad way, in a negative way, where Paul sees it and confronts Peter. And Peter was no like, you know, member of a church. He was one of the leading guys. He was the apostle. He was given the keys of the kingdom. He was a, he was a big wig. He was a gun kessel. Spanish for big cheese. He was the big cheese. And so the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy because he was a, you know influential guy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas was a big guy in the church, was led away. Because his interaction with other spiritual people was bad. They didn't help him spiritually. They made him doubt spiritually. They made Peter doubt that God would save the Gentiles by faith. They made Peter think, no, 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 I, I better be careful now about the Gentiles. i got to be careful hanging out with them because I don't want to get criticized. Uh, you know, they're unclean. And so later on after this, they have this big meeting about it. In Acts 15, to decide as a church, should the Gentiles just get have faith and get baptized? Or should they get circumcised, have faith and get baptized? Which is it? It was a big question. It was a condemnation question because it was a salvation issue question. And so, here's the council. And guess what happens? Peter's at the council. He's right there. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up once again and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. That was their statement. And Peter's right there. And he's like, oh, can you imagine going, why are you doing this to me, Lord? Why me? Why now? He's being called to account again by the 
Pharisees. And so the apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up to address them. It could have been James. It could have been someone else. But it was Peter that got up. I don't know who decided what. I know Peter's a loud mouth. probably say, I got this. I got this. Let me do this. You know, Peter, he was pretty hot-tempered at times. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from the lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that He accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to Him, to them, just as He did to us. That's a great opening statement, Peter. Good job, so far. No! We believe it is through the grace of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are. And, he, and in the middle, He goes on to say, she, He showed us what we are and what we need to do to not discriminate between us and them, and He purified their hearts by faith. Now then... Why do we test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? And then he says, no. It is through grace. And he makes his stand. Because Paul reshaped his thinking. Paul sharpened his thinking. Paul sharpened his convictions. And without these providential relationships, and without a certain aspect of sharpening, you will not grow spiritually. I know some of us, but Gio, we like to have a good time. And you, you know, your minister likes to have a good time. I'm king of casual. I like a good time. I love a good time. But I know that without sharpening of my faith, a sharpening of my convictions, a reminder of what I, I was called to do, what I chose to become, a reminder of that, I need providential relationships. If you think right now for a second, I'd rather have, I don't want to hear criticism. Criticism is good, and criticism is bad. Good criticism helps you grow. Bad criticism damages your faith. So it's how you perceive criticism. Sometimes I get, I get criticized from people who aren't even disciples. And they'll say something to me, I'm going, principally he's right. It's correct. I should repent. That's true what he said. Didn't open a scripture, but what he said was true because I read it in the Bible all the time. And when we don't have these kind of relationships, we become stagnant. We become like this water has no flow, no current, and it has an often an unpleasant smell as a consequence. Stinky. We don't go swimming in stagnant water. We don't hikers don't drink stagnant water because it's got bacteria. It's dirty. It's sucio. It's nasty. It's chancho. It's puerco. It's uh, that's not good. <laughs> Giving you a lot of Spanish lingo because we got some Latinos in the house. <laughs> some of us are like this in our relationships. All we want to do is seek advice, and we want no sharpening. I just want to get advice, bro. Advice. Don't sharpen me, but just give me your advice because I will decide what I'm going to do with your. True. But you also are missing an important element of you growing in your faith. If someone disagrees with your perception of something, I'm not going for advice. Terrible. Wrong person, obviously. And the Bible speaks of that. We kind of go after people that are going to tell us that confirms what we think. It confirms what we think and feel. Like, yeah, you are spiritual, brother. 
I barely see you, but what you said is, sounds good. I'm glad you were here to tell me. Providential. We do that. That's our nature. That's who we are. Easy. We take the easy way. We take the road that's, that's, that has less friction. We do that. just our nature. We're Californians. We don't like, we're not from Boston. We're like, hey, shut up. Hey, step out of it. Hey, we're not New Yorkers. We're polite Californians. That's what we do. We don't like to offend. That's how we are. Admit it. You know it's true. Okay. So, he says this. When I saw that they were not acting in the line with the truth, this is Paul again. Uh, Paul. I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish covenant? Again, these are some penetrating, thought-provoking, gut hits you in the gut, going, Oh, what am I doing? And when someone asks you questions and, and tells you things, hits you in the gut, you're like, Oh, you got to listen to that. got to listen to that. So, we have a few, a few things here that I want to discuss with you. And then we'll end our lesson for today. I go home and watch Ecuador recorded. I've been waiting for that game. Don't tell me the score. I'm going to ignore you. It's not good advice, brother. Okay, now, now here's some what is. Imagine if Paul didn't say anything. Paul saw Peter do it and goes, ah, well, he's, you know, not the right time. Can't see. It's not what would happen. Peter's conviction would have never been sharpened. I mean, God would have done it some other way. Because God always, His will always gets done. But what if He wouldn't have said nothing? What if you see things and you're like, I don't know them that well. I see it. What He said was totally not, that's, that's, that's wrong. But we don't say it. What are your relationships like? Here's a good test. In your family schedule, in your schedule that you make yourself, do you put time with disciples to have Time together to talk about spiritual things of the heart. That's the test. If you're like, well, we'll do it this week. No, is it in? Is it in? Is it a routine? Is it a pattern? Is it a flow of your life? Then you know where you're spiritually. You're not sharp and you're stagnant and you stink and you well Right? Yeah. Smell. It's like when you go to the bathroom after someone's gotten out, what's in there? <laughs> I'm giving you the description spiritually of what it looks like when you don't make time and you have every opportunity to make time and we don't do it because we don't want that. You won't grow. And the five things that help us grow are that. They're crucial in that. They're, 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 they're so vital to your salvation. That's how important it is. So some of us, we need to repent of walking a solo Christian life. No one walks solo. Jesus in human form, being God, did not walk solo. He had 12, and then he had 3. Peter, James, and John. He got real. He was Now all 12, he was real with his three homies right there. They were tight. They knew everything. So we need to repent. And we have to realize the moment that God is putting people in our lives. This summer... God's going to be putting people in your life. You're going to be meeting all throughout the summer. Kids, parks, pools. Here's your chance to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and say, Hey, can I talk to you about something? Can I ask you a few questions? Are you going to a church right now? Hey, we want to send the Bible right now. Hey, do you want to hang out and get a barbecue right now? Hey, why don't you bring the kids over? I want to talk to you about something important. Yeah. This summer. 
We can do that. So here's what I want you to do. Three things. Faith in action. Number one, change. Sorry, it's misspelling. You heart, or your heart. And be intentional about your relationships. Meaning it's a part of your schedule. Because it's important to you. Be at everything spiritual you can. Be at everything that's spiritual. Whether it's a midweek, a house church. If you are hanging out, watch the World Cup. Be there. Be there spiritually. Be at your midweek, women, this midweek. This Tuesday. And number three, to engage people around us this summer. Because God is putting them in your life for a reason. You're meeting people for a reason. Like when Ernie met me, it was for a reason. I didn't know that... You know, there's Brandon and there's Ernie, and here it is. Because the defining moments of our lives often revolve around relationships. Providential allows us to hear from God through others. That's number two. Next week, we're going to go over number three. And I hope you come back for that. Have a great afternoon, fathers. Love you guys.